0: Hello and welcome to Being Well, I'm Forrest Hansen. If you're new to the podcast, this is where we explore the practical science of lasting well-being. And if you've listened before, welcome back. One of the hardest and most important parts of creating a great relationship is setting boundaries with other people. These boundaries benefit us, yes, of course, but they can also help us build healthier relationships. To help us learn how to do that, I'm very excited to welcome a wonderful therapist and relationship expert to the show, Nedra Glover-Tawwab. Nedra's been practicing therapy for 13 years and focuses on helping people build better relationships by teaching them how to implement those healthy boundaries. Her work has been featured in the New York Times, The Guardian, Psychology Today, Self, and Vice, and she's the author of Set Boundaries, Find Peace, which went on sale March 16th. It provides an array of powerful practices for building great relationships. You also might have encountered Nedra's work on Instagram, where she has over 800,000 followers. I am one of them. And she also shares a variety of wonderful suggestions and tips focused on setting boundaries and building stronger relationships. So Nedra, it's a pleasure to have you here today. How are you doing?
1: I am well, thank you so much for that warm welcome.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah, honestly, it's great to have you. Um, I've bumped my head into your work regularly over the last year or so, where as I said, I follow you on Instagram. It is a great platform for you. You put out awesome stuff. And I would just love to start by kind of asking you, what drew you to this territory specifically focused on boundaries?
1: So many things. I think personally, (laughs) I grew up in a family and I always wonder, wow, if we would have told this person no, how would that have turned out? So
2: Mm.
1: I didn't know what, you know, I didn't know what boundaries were. And even when I was setting them, I didn't know what they were. I didn't have the language for it but I knew that certain things made me uncomfortable. Yeah. I knew that if I said, I don't want to hang out with you, I would feel better. Uh, But I didn't know that that thing was called a boundary. Yeah, And so in my journey of becoming a therapist, I learned about the word boundaries. And I was like, this is what I've been doing. Mm -hmm. I learned that a lot of the pushback that I was getting from People who wouldn't honor my boundary or who found the boundaries to be mean or something they didn't want to do because they wanted to have their way with me, that sort of stuff. I found that, whoa, this is like part of the boundary setting process. Yeah. I was never really taught that. It's okay to to not have certain relationships with people, even if they're family. Sometimes things can be harmful.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I wasn't taught that, you know, my space is my own and these are the things that I can do with it. And so just learning some of these things and becoming aware of the power of no was was really helpful. I will say early on, my mom was very generous with respecting my boundaries, even if she didn't understand it. I could have like these little mini boundaries of like, hey, don't come in here with your cigarette. And she'd be like, all right, okay, whatever. (laughs) You know, so I was able to have like these little boundaries and she probably was like, this kid is just quirky, but (laughs) you know, I was setting boundaries in the small ways that I could, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's a really important piece of the work that we don't always have the power to, restructure systems, but in very small ways, we can advocate for ourselves in our space. And so mm-hmm. even though that's not something that was necessarily modeled for me, I was able to understand that I had the power to do it just in doing it and having people honor that, whether it was really rough in the beginning or whether it was like, okay, fine. It was a process of practicing.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. And to kind of pick up on some things that you said there, was this something that came kind of naturally to you? As a kid, did you have sort of a feel for, no, I don't like it when people are overly close to me or when I feel overly entangled with other people? Or was this something that you really had to kind of learn over time?
1: Over time, I remember, and I was just talking to a fair friend of mine on Instagram about this, that I've always been an early riser. Mm. And I remember like having sleepovers with people and disliking it because kids slept so late. (laughs) So I would be up, you know, in someone's house, like, what do you do? Do you turn on the TV? Do you sit here? Where's the cereal? It was just like so awkward. And when I got a little bit older, I was like, I'm not coming over your house. doing sleepovers come to my house it's super it's super comfortable everything is the way i like it Mm -hmm. so i started to have you know friends who mostly visited me but i will say in later middle school, I found one friend who was also an early riser, and it was just like the perfect pairing of, I will come mm. to your house because we have the same sort of sleep schedule. And so that was a very early way of me figuring out, like, you know what? I don't like this. But, you know, people will say like, oh, that's just how it is. You know, some people like, just lay there until, and it's like, I just want to get up and get started <laughs> at seven. <laughs>
0: I mean, it sounds like what you're really talking about there underneath it all is just meeting your needs. Like there are things that you want and things that you need, and you were being fed by certain environments and you weren't being fed by other environments. And a lot of the book really focuses on like how to create those environments that feed you instead of the ones that drain you. Does that sound about right to
1: you? Yeah. And I think with kids, it's so important that we honor what they need and not push them beyond the boundary. Mm. In the book, as you read, I tell a story about my daughter. We were going to the gym and they had childcare at the gym. And my daughter, she would kind of, you know, she's a happy baby. She would go to different people, that sort of thing. But there was one person in particular she did not like. Whenever this woman touched her, she would just start crying. Mm. And the first few times it happened, they will come and get me out of my exercise class and say, yo, she's fussing, she's fussing. And hmm. you know, after about two or three times, I was like, you know, I think it's the lady. Like it's some energy there that my daughter, who's, you know, six months old, she doesn't like it. It's not really my job to question it because I know how she is with other people. And so my job was then to respect the boundaries. So before going to the gym, I would call and I would say, Hey, is so and so there? Okay. And I would wait until that person wasn't there anymore. and then we would go to the gym because from what I was gathering, there was just something energetically yeah. that she did not like because it totally. wasn't people in general, it was just this particular person. So really honoring the boundaries of kids is is so, so important, and not just saying, oh, I got to go work out. You have to go here. No, you don't have to go here. There are tons of times in the day that I could go that might be beneficial for for
0: you and for me. Yeah, I mean, we were just talking before we started recording. I'm the kid of a therapist. You're raising a couple of kids right now. And I had the really lovely experience as a kid where in general, if I was truly uncomfortable in a certain kind of environment, I was not made to be in that environment. And Mm. I do not think that that's the experience of a lot of kids. I think a lot of children are raised to learn that what they care about doesn't really matter that much compared to the wants and needs of adults. And that can have, a, I mean, as again, as you talk about in the book, that could have real cascades of effect into later in life environments. We talk a lot in the podcast about secure and insecure attachment that can be kind of connected to some of those things, but just internalizing that felt experience that what I want doesn't really matter. I mean, sounds to me like an absolute recipe for boundary problems later in life.
1: I think it's teaching you not to trust yourself, to really question Mm. what you want. And that's some of, you know, when I was in college and really beginning the work of setting boundaries, I questioned it a lot because Mm. I didn't know that it was okay to say certain things to people because um, I'm like, is this mean? And I meant mean could be like, hey, you can't borrow my car. I have to go to class. Like that was like, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible person. For not allowing someone to make me late for class. <laughs> <laughs> so imagine me going to therapy for the first time and I'm telling the therapist about situations like this. She's like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> Super reasonable request. Yeah. Like, pretty yeah,
0: rational request. Yeah.
1: But I'm like, oh, no, I don't like it, you know, because I didn't trust myself enough to say like, this is okay. This is reasonable because like you said, like most of us are taught, like, no, like this other person's need is more important than yours. Like this person has to have to feel really comfortable and you can't rock the boat, like figure out mm. a way to make it work. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes things don't work and <laughs> it's like, you, yeah. you have to state what boundary is.
0: Yeah, totally. Are there people who come from certain kinds of backgrounds, or maybe they have a certain kind of personality type or a certain family of origin issue, you know, whatever, that tends to lead to developing boundary issues later in life?
1: I would say people who come from any sort of dysfunctional family background, whether that's codependency, enmeshment, abuse, whether verbal, physical, neglect, all of those sort of things, are indicators of potential boundary issues because yeah. you have not learned where to draw the line. The lines weren't respected. Lots of boundaries were violated. I mean, physical abuse, that is a boundary violation. Yeah. Verbal abuse, that is a boundary violation. Codependency. There are no boundaries. Boundaries are not acceptable in codependent relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, if you've had any of those sort of things growing up, absolutely you are probably struggling with boundary issues, just knowing yeah. what's okay and how to save it, you know, because
2: mm-hmm.
1: stating a boundary in those situations, there could be consequences. If you come from an abusive home and you set a boundary, that could mean that you would be physically punished for having the boundary.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that would absolutely be met with punishment or there would be pushback against the boundary, which is, as you said, with something that happens in codependent relationships a lot. You mentioned that word a few times. Would you mind just kind of defining it for people who might not know
1: what that is? Yes, so codependency is intertwined relationships where there is no beginning or ending of the other person. In codependent relationships, it's often the case for people to feel like they have to help the other person, even when it's not being asked the to them. So even when you aren't saying, hey, can I help you? Because we are one and the same. We are a blended set of people. I can't think of myself without thinking of you. You can't think of yourself without thinking of me. If something happens mm. to you, basically it has happened to me. Yeah. If you make a choice that's unhealthy, we have made an unhealthy choice and we have to fix it.
0: Mm. That's a great line. I love that line. That's really actually clarifying for me personally, the way in which that that enmeshment, that interweaving of the two personalities so that there stops being that clear moment of differentiation of like, this is where I end and this is where you begin.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A lot of unhealthy relationships look like that.
1: Mm-hmm. No emotional boundaries.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So there are all kinds of different relationships that could be benefited by healthy boundaries. You go through a series of them in the book, talking about family relationships, romantic relationships, work, all that good stuff. But some of the ones where boundaries are kind of the hardest are in relationships where there's some intimacy, like we want to have a level of closeness with the other person, Mm -hmm. close friendships, relationships, families in particular. So for some people, they might hear the word boundary and because of the environment they were brought up in or their own personality, they might think that it's kind of like a thick wall, that word, that sort of prevents intimacy with another person.
2: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But how can our healthier boundaries with people actually help us become more intimate?
1: Yeah. Boundaries are not walls. They are not barriers. They are kind of an instruction manual on how you operate and how you function. Mm. We are giving people the tools to be in a healthy relationship with us. We are learning tools from them to be in a healthy relationship with them Mm. because it's not only me in a relationship having boundaries, the other person has boundaries as well. There are boundaries in the work environment. There are boundaries in these other structures is not just you walking around with all the boundaries and determining how everything is supposed to happen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so sometimes when I talk about boundaries, people are like, it's so selfish. I'm like, oh, the other person is doing it too. (laughs)
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Like selfish. With, I couldn't imagine a relationship. You yeah, know, if you're the only person setting boundaries, yes, that's a problem. But I bet you, if you think about it, the other person has boundaries too. Whether it's call me before you stop by, I don't answer my phone after nine o'clock. I'm going on vacation. Can you maybe not call or text me? Is but like those are boundaries that that other person is setting. So, of course, it's okay for you to have a few of your own.
0: Totally. You describe these different kinds of boundaries that people can have in their relationships. More rigid boundaries, which is kind of that thick wall, then more porous boundaries. We're talking about codependency or enmeshment where there isn't that firm sense. Then versus kind of healthy boundaries. Mm -hmm. And would you mind kind of going through those and describing what those look like practically in a relationship? Like what's a relationship with rigid boundaries or what's a relationship with healthier ones?
1: Mm -hmm. So rigid boundaries are strict rules that we typically will not break. Mm. And so let's take your relationship with a coworker. If you say that I will never have a friendship with anyone that I work with, mm-hmm. that's, that's a rigid boundary, right? You've yeah. created a rule that everybody must follow, even if you like the person, they can never be your friend because that is your rule. Mm. Healthy would be if I connect with someone, then we can build a relationship. Chorus would be I am friends with everybody at work. I don't even have a friendship criteria. If we work together, we are best friends. There is no criteria for a relationship. And criteria for relationships is a really important thing. And as we mature, our criteria shifts a bit. You know, mm-hmm. when we're you know, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, our criteria is typically proximity, right? Yeah. So if I am in the same class with you, we are friends. <laughs> As we get older, it's like, okay, we like to play basketball together. We are friends. And then it's like, you know, this person understands my feelings. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> and, it, and it evolves. And totally. so if, if we're thinking of a workplace environment, As we have evolved, our criteria has shifted. It's not going to be everybody in this workspace. Mm -hmm. There will be some people who you gel with more than others based on commonalities, personalities. That is a healthy boundary.
0: Yeah. Okay. That makes total sense. And one of the things that's come up already a couple of times is this idea of being selfish or ungrateful or impolite or somebody feeling like they're being, too sensitive about a certain issue and therefore they shouldn't set a boundary because on some level they they don't deserve to. It's not appropriate. If you have somebody who walks into your office and that's kind of the family of issues that they bring to you, they're like, I, I can't set boundaries because that means that I'm being ungrateful to my family. How do you start to work with them to sort of unspool that?
1: Well, one, I set the tone of this being a safe space Mm. and my job is to be a secret keeper as long as the secret is not harmful to anyone else or yourself, but you can speak your truth here. And sometimes the truth is, I really like this about the person and I don't like these things. And you're not bad for feeling that. And so sometimes, particularly with our parents, we feel like we have to say all of these wonderful things to say one bad thing. So I get a lot of, I love my mom. She was amazing. Mm-hmm. She worked really hard. She always came to my events, but she doesn't listen. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Did you say 57 positive things before you said, but she doesn't listen? I mean, you. You could just said, my mom is not a good listener. Yeah. I didn't need the beefing her up before you said this really honest thing, mm-hmm. because as a therapist, I know when we complain about people, we are complaining about the things we don't like, but there is something that's keeping us there. So I will assume mm-hmm. that your mom mm-hmm. makes the best macaroni. She's great at giving hugs. <laughs> she came to all of your plays. I will Absolutely, assume yeah. all of those great
2: things, mm-hmm.
1: but I also know that she's not a good listener. So it's okay to speak about people in an honest way. And it doesn't mean that they're a bad person because people are complex. And so I'm not looking at them as one way. And perhaps we should help you figure out a way to look at them as a whole person and not Mm. just as my parent. I would love
0: to almost like walk through a healthy boundary setting process with you here. So you raised a great example. My mom doesn't listen. Person comes in, they say 58 great things about their mom. They say the one bad thing, but my mom doesn't listen.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: How would you kind of coach that person to start getting into those interactions with their mom so that they could start building healthier boundaries? Like what do you view sort of as the bricklaying process in that wall to make that happen in a good way?
1: So I notice a lot when we say people don't listen. What typically has happened is we've gotten into this relationship pattern of them being the speaker and us being the listener. Mm -hmm. And so now we need to shift the roles a little bit. And so immediately I would go towards sharing more and expecting that they listen. Instead of saying this person doesn't listen and never talking. Yeah, (laughs) Because sometimes we'll say they don't listen and we aren't saying anything. Mm -hmm. So take control of the conversation. Don't take it over, but take control of the conversation you want to have. So when you call them and you say, hey, start talking about the thing you want to talk about. If you know, if you say, how are you? They're going to go, 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 go about how they Mm -hmm. are. You you start the conversation with all of the things that you'd like them to know. And you can teach people how to communicate with you. Hey, when I say this, I would like blank.
2: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: So when I tell you about a really exciting opportunity, I would love it if you tried to match my energy because when you come in low, it makes me a little low too. <laughs> so
2: yeah,
0: that's a great point.
1: Yeah, come in really high so I can say because <laughs> <laughs> I, I need I need the encouragement. I need the encouragement there and sometimes mm. people don't know they've been in this rhythm with you yeah. and we know they don't know because they're doing it sometimes in other relationships with people you'll hear yeah, them on the phone totally. with someone else and you know carol calls your mom and she's like, yeah. <laughs> like, Whoa, like you never get that sort of energy it's like yeah carol demands that level of energy
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> like Carol is getting all the energy she can because she has taught folks, like, look, we on a 10, be at a 10.
0: No, I I think that that's great. And part of the reason that I really love that is, at least I I would love to know your experience with this, but like in my experience, people fear process conversations. Like I fear process conversations and I'm the kid of a therapist, you know? So I got to imagine that other people do too from time to time because process conversations are scary. Like it can be very anxiety provoking To have that formal interaction with somebody where it's like, hey, you're giving me this and I need you to give me that. Mm -hmm. It's healthy to do that. People should do that, but it can like arise a little bit of anxiety. So if you're somebody who really struggles with that, one way to at least start like tapping the wall of the boundary that you're describing here is affecting your own behavior. What are ways that I can like get that from the other person without needing to go that far? And then if I feel like that bit isn't met, then it can be time for the more formal process conversation. Does that kind of connect with what you're saying?
1: Yeah, I think so. A lot of it is you shifting your behavior, Yeah, not necessarily telling the other person how they need to shift. You need to be happier. Well, are you happier when you're sharing? Mm. Are you initiating conversations or are you allowing them to take over? So what can you do on your end without requiring them to do more? Because sometimes us changing in the dynamic can shift the dynamic.
0: Talking a little bit about those more anxiety provoking moments with other people, creating boundaries can lead to a level of conflict. You were talking about it before at the extreme example. If you're a child, you're in an abusive environment, you try to create a boundary. Wow, there can be some really negative consequences associated with that. Mm -hmm. In our adult Mm -hmm. relationships, we've got this like paradigm of interactions with our parents that have been built over years and years and years. And it can feel really stressful to try to alter those. In a work environment, doing it with your boss, there's a power dynamic in play. How do you help people either like work with that anxiety and create interactions that are more likely to lead
1: to the positive outcomes that they're looking for? So setting boundaries actually reduces anxiety over time. Yes. totally. So there is some anxiety initially while setting the boundary, but it clears things up for future interactions. Because what i found with anxiety, I have to do a lot of assertiveness coaching sometimes to really help mm. people speak to other folks. Because with anxiety, we'll worry about what was said, what wasn't said, how to say it better. I can't believe they did this. And we have all of these. If I say this, this will happen. So a lot of ruminating thoughts about the interactions with other people. And what can really resolve that is the solution of setting a boundary.
2: Yeah, totally.
1: If this happens next time, this is what you can say. Mm. That issue that you're constantly thinking about now has a solution. It's not a thought process that just keeps going in your head because this is the solution. And I know it's really tough to walk through that with anxiety, but I think it's super helpful long-term. The thing with anxiety is teaching people that although anxiety is a really tough thing to feel, you can survive anxiety. It is 100% proven that we can survive it. (laughs) And so it's just a matter of pushing through and doing it. You can feel really anxious about this thing and do it. And with boundaries, you know, I think you can do it in a variety of ways. You can say it face-to-face, you can text it, you can email it, whatever is the least anxiety-provoking way of doing that, do that so you're not constantly thinking about this.
0: Related to that, to get into something that's kind of a tricky question a little bit, there are relationships where we're really kind of mesh with another person. And yes, we can exit almost all of our relationships in our life, but, you know, person loves their mom, their mom doesn't listen to them. And they make their bids to get their mom to listen to them. They make their bids to have their boss be more respectful toward them, but they need the job. They need the money. They want the relationship with their mom, whatever it is. In those situations where those boundary violations aren't really improving, maybe they're softening enough to be survivable, but they aren't getting where the person wants them to get. Are there things that you do to like work with somebody to have them be less hurt by those boundary violations or to find enough space so there's more comfort there? Just like how do you approach that whole territory?
1: Yeah. So sometimes the boundary is accepting the person as they are. Yeah. And not trying to change them. Yeah. And figuring out ways how you can exist in an environment that you can't leave. Because mm. I get a lot of things from kids who might say like teenagers who will say, well, I can't move out, (laughs) (laughs) but I know that it's something going on with my family that I don't like. So what do I do? So, you know, I think it's a beautiful time to start being autonomous in ways that you can. So you can maybe get yourself a part time, like be ready to go when it's time.
2: <laughs> so, mm-hmm.
1: you know, don't yeah. stay any longer than you need to legally. Yes. So totally. start setting those are the boundaries. It's preparation mm-hmm. in that case to leave the environment. Totally. Sometimes it is, you know, having someone to decompress with to talk through those issues at work and not just holding them. Because, you know, I meant some sometimes we do have horrible bosses who yeah. may have issues and we can't do anything about it and we could really love the job and not be ready to leave. And so it's a matter of how can I maintain my energy while in this situation? It might be working with your door closed or not going to lunch with your boss. Like what things are you doing that you could manipulate a little bit and feel better in that relationship?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You're you're finding your agency where you can. Yeah. You might not be able to find it in building a perfect boundary with this person, but you can kind of find it in some other ways. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. So I'd love to ask you about communication because communication is, you know, a perennial topic. It's something a lot of people struggle with. A lot of our boundary problems, as you mentioned earlier, arise because they just aren't communicated in the first place. And that can be because somebody has those concerns we were talking about it before, like, I feel like I'm being selfish by communicating it, or something can kind of go sideways in the process of communicating it to another person. It's not clear enough for all these other issues, start to enter the boundary conversation, whatever. What are some of the big problems that you've seen that like commonly arise here? And are there any, you know, it's hard to generalize, but are there any kind of like big pieces of advice that you've seen be really helpful for people in communicating their needs better?
1: One big problem I see is we state the problem, but we don't state a boundary. Mm. So we'll say these are all the things that are going wrong. <laughs> okay, so you want this person who doesn't know how to do anything that you want to figure out how to do what you want. I don't think they have the skills. I think they think what they were doing was probably okay. So you have to clearly state to this person what you need to see instead. So if you're going to state the problem, state what you see as the solution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Instead of just saying something like, you show up at my house unannounced. What should call before you come? Because that's what your boundary is. You want them to call before Mm, they come. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're assuming that it's okay to just show up. So all you're doing is highlighting what's being done. You don't have a solution for them. So, really, stating the boundary is helpful and not just assuming that they'll figure out what the boundary is in this problem statement.
0: I think that's a great piece of advice. And just like, clarifying what it is exactly that you're looking for from the other person from a behavioral perspective can be super helpful undercurrent in all of this for me is just self-worth like the more that somebody can build up a sense of healthy self-worth and self-appreciation the easier it might get to be able to set some boundaries is that something that you've worked with people around do you think that that is like a very much an underlying issue or is there something else there
1: Self-worth is in there, but I think even without having a healthy sense of self, we are still worthy of boundaries. Yes, totally. And so sometimes waiting until we get your self-esteem in the, in the place that it needs to be is not the best course of action mm. um, because immediately the problem is that you're being mistreated in your relationships and you can have zero self-esteem and people shouldn't mistreat you. So how do we, while building the self-esteem, while attending to the self-worth issues, how do we get you to speak what you need? Mm-hmm. It can be with a shaky voice. You don't have to be strong and, you know, a lioness in what you say. It could be a weak, high need, you, you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like totally. as long as it's out there, it just needs to be out there. And so, yes, I think, you know, the more worthy you feel, the more confident you feel, the easier it is. But that takes a lot of time. Even when you have really healthy self-esteem, it's not always easy to set a boundary because we are thinking about like, first, what is the boundary? Like, what's really bothering me here? And then still, how do I communicate it with the least impact to this other person? That's something we think about even with, healthy, self-esteem.
0: I mean, for me, I think that I found that personally, the more comfortable that I've gotten with the things that I need, the more confident I've gotten that those needs are reasonable, the easier it's become for me to state them to other people. Mm -hmm. But just like you're saying, just because I might lack confidence around some particular kind of thing doesn't mean that I'm not being hurt by the behavior of another person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it can be like really appropriate to want to set a line there.
1: Yeah. And it's important to note that yes, self-esteem is 100% of, you know, the reason that we typically aren't setting the boundaries because when the self-esteem is unhealthy, we're absolutely thinking about, oh my gosh, like, will this person leave me? Will they retaliate? Will they, you know, like all sorts of things can run through your head. And I think that there is a certain level of you have to be okay with the consequence of setting a boundary because there are some people in some unhealthy situations where if you set a boundary, they will boast you.
2: Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, totally. it's not
1: about you being fed up with them. They're like, oh, you want to tell me no? Like, this is it for you. Like, that mm-hmm. does happen. I can't say, oh, it'll never happen. I don't think it happens as often as people going along with your boundary, but it is certainly a consequence that people can issue with you setting a boundary. I will say that the easiest time to set boundaries is in newer relationships.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: When we are meeting people, when we're becoming acquainted with them and we say, oh, I don't like fish, please don't put any fish on my plate. Oh no, I prefer to split the check. You know, all of these new things are super easy. But once we've been in relationships with people for some length of time, it does feel a little harder because now we're considering like, oh my gosh, like how do they feel about this? Am I disappointing them? What will they think? Like our feelings are more evolved and attached. So there are a lot of things to consider. But in the newer relationships, that is the best time to, you know, really get it all out there. And it's it's tends to be a lot easier for people to do it in newer relationships.
0: Do you help people work with the fear associated with this? Like, it's scary to feel like there is a risk of ending a relationship or something like that. Like, are are there things that you found be helpful to managing that?
1: Yeah, we talk a lot about guilt. Because guilt is one of the main emotions associated with setting a boundary, I get so many questions about how do I set a boundary without feeling guilty? And you know, guilt can sometimes be a part of the process. Guilt can mean two things: you're actually doing something wrong, mm. or you believe that you're doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah. And so you you have to say in this situation, I'm actually doing something wrong. Am I harming someone here? Am I breaking a law? Is it okay to really tell people no, if none of that is true, then you're not actually doing anything wrong. I mean, you're just feeling bad about advocating for yourself. So that's not that productive guilt. Mm-hmm. And so to really deal with the guilt, you have to change your mindset about being able to set boundaries. If you really believe that it's okay to set boundaries, then you can, typically set them with minimal guilt.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But when you believe it is bad, it is mean, it's, you know, not nice to other people, they'll cut you will have extreme guilt. Yeah. And so if you want to reduce the guilt, you have to really reshape the way you think about setting boundaries. You have to make it mm-hmm. an okay thing in your brain. Like really okay, it's okay to do this. This is not a bad thing. It's not harming another person. Uh, when people get really, really uncomfortable with setting boundaries, I try to ask them, "What boundaries have people set with you?" Particularly the mm, person that mm-hmm, you're having mm-hmm. this big issue with. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, the other person has all of these boundaries. Sure. And here we are having the hardest time saying this one thing. Mm-hmm. This one thing. I, th- I I put a post up on Instagram not too long ago about how rules given to us by our parents are boundaries. You know, go to bed at nine o'clock, put the milk back in the refrigerator. Don't do this. Do that. Brush your teeth. These are all boundaries. Mm. They're telling us what to do, how to do it so that they feel comfortable with how we're being raised. Those are boundaries. So if you say to your parent, this one boundary of instead of coming home from thanksgiving i'm going to spend that time with my partner you set one out of the 20 million boundaries
2: yeah
1: totally (laughs) (laughs) so so just think about that that you know your parents have boundaries with you they're not out here just like oh i don't get to do anything with you it's like no they actually have a lot of influence and authority over who you are and how you live and you're asking for you know this these few things that would make you feel more comfortable i think that's reasonable
0: i think you're totally right and i also think that that line that you had earlier about so much of this comes down to what you perceive as your relationship with boundaries like do you think that it is fundamentally okay for you to have boundaries out in the world? Or do you think that this is something that should inspire guilt or it should make you uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. Or what other like negative emotion that you're having associated with that? That's just like a huge part of the thing. Mm -hmm. As we kind of wander toward the end here, I would love to ask you about your kids and about the (laughs) process that you've had with them, kind of helping them learn that boundaries are okay. And maybe as a proxy for us who are a little later in life, maybe some re-education we could do with ourselves. So how have you like, Tried to teach them that it's okay for them to want what they want. And and that's all
1: right. Yeah, well, my seven-year-old, one day, she doesn't like nuts. And I made some zucchini bread or something, and I typically put nuts in it. And mm-hmm. she was picking them out. <laughs> and I had a friend over, and my friend said, you know, why don't you like nuts? And she said, do I have a reason? And I said, no, you don't have to have a reason for everything. Mm-hmm. And so that was my way of not forcing her to come up with something because I feel like sometimes it's just a no, right? Mm -hmm. And so do we have to explain why we're telling people no every single time? Because sometimes we don't know. Maybe we just really don't want to do it and I don't have a super clear reason. So just teaching them in very small ways that it's okay, you know, whether it's, you know, I'm full, I'm finished eating, you know, your body better than I do. I meant when you were a baby, I could kind of push your stomach if it was hard, that was the indicator. But now that that little thing doesn't work anymore. And so (laughs) you are the person who tells me that you are full. And so if you say that, I have to believe it. I'm not going to, you know, push you to eat beyond what you feel like you can now, if you get up two seconds later and say, hey, can I have some cookies? I'm like, okay, you got me. Um, I don't <laughs> think you're really full. I think you wanted a treat. Yeah, totally. But just really allowing them to have some autonomy. So, you know, if they're doing activities sometimes and they're like, I don't like so and so, so, cool. Like, well, you know, it's not the greatest joy of my day to bring you here. You'll finish off this you know, semester, <laughs> but I'm not like, you know what? if you don't like it, we can find something else or, you know, we can figure something else, out. but I'm not going to, I don't have a dream of you becoming a, a dancer. Or, you know, it's like you, you tell me what you like and I'll figure out how to weave this in. So if you say, you know, I want to be a cookie baker, I'll go get cookie supplies because right now in life, you are figuring out what you want to do and you can try something and you might like it and you might not. So really honoring their desire to be their own sort of person and not putting myself on, well, you should do this and you should do that. You should, you know, I think you can do, you should do some things, but I don't have to be the person determining what those things are because I want you to feel joyful in doing them and not like you have to do these things to be loved and to exist and
0: Yeah, no, I think that's really great advice for anyone who has a kid, but also, frankly, for any of us who have a kid inside of us, and that's Mm -hmm. all of us, um, who might want to like reshape that relationship with just saying, it's okay for you to not have a clear reason why this is your preference, but you might know that it's your preference. There Mm -hmm. are behaviors that other people have that make you feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And sure, you might not be able to logic your way through them, but that's how you feel. Mm -hmm. And so it's really good to respect those two.
1: Thanks, the brain has to catch up to the body. Mm -hmm. And so we may not know why Stomach hurts every time I eat something, but we can stop eating it without knowing why, totally. right? We don't have to know why I get, you know, those stomach. Cr- no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you just need to stop eating this thing because yeah. your body is responding in this way. So, you know, we don't have to always know what the why is, and I think there's a lot of pressure for us to know, like, well, why don't you like so mm-hmm. and so? Yeah, I don't know, and maybe I'll figure that out in ten years. There are a lot of things. Oh, as an adult, I can I can say well, this is why I didn't like that, and this is why I didn't like that. But I didn't understand it as a kid necessarily, but I knew I didn't like it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: no, totally. So there are a lot of reasons that people might struggle to set healthy boundaries themselves, and that's what we've mostly focused on during this conversation. But we also need to respect the boundaries of other people, which you've raised a lot of times as we've been going on, and for some people. If they feel like their friend or their partner or their parent, whatever, is starting to set more of a boundary with them, it can feel kind of threatening to the relationship. It can trigger their own anxiety. They might fear that their partner is withdrawing from them. Is that something that you've seen in your office, people being concerned about boundaries that other people were setting? And how did you help them kind of come to terms with that process?
1: Yeah. So what I've seen is people say, so-and-so is asking me to blame. How do I respect the boundary? And I'm like, listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) That is how you respect. You don't have to like a boundary to respect it. If someone Mm. says to you, hey, I'm only having 15 people at my birthday party because of COVID. You don't have to like that. But you're the 16th person. Yeah. You know, send, send them a gift. as you would, if you would, you know and continue in the relationship. It's not something you have to love, but you have to really honor that this person isn't comfortable moving beyond this thing. It really has nothing to do with you. It's Mm -hmm. really about them feeling okay and safe. And I'm sure when considering what people they wanted to invite it, it was very hard. So don't think that when people set boundaries that is super easy, just like we're talking about, how do you do it without the gift? They feel all of that. Mm -hmm. They thought Mm -hmm. about it. Mm They really, like this has been really hard work. So how do we honor that they're doing this really big thing for themselves, even if it impacts us, even if we're not in love with the idea of what their boundary is.
0: Really related to that, and related to some of the other things that we've been talking about throughout the conversation, One of the parts in your book that I really appreciated the most was this short section, but great section on just accepting and letting go and coming to terms with what other people need, coming to terms with what I need. Are there ways in which you've had to do that in your own life? And how have you gone through that process of like coming to more of a place of acceptance?
1: Yeah. So acceptance is a journey because I think about like trying to like all of the situations that I tried to change that I had to really realize like, Oh wow. Like I can't do anything here, particularly with other people. Yeah. You know, when you're in a situation with a person and your willingness to be in the relationship is hinged on them changing and you're like, if they just did this and they just did that, if they just did this and you have like this laundry list of things You know, I have had to come to in some relationships to say, yeah, I don't think I like this relationship. Yeah,
0: yeah,
2: totally. (laughs)
1: That's a really tough realization because, Mm. you know, I've been in a relationship with, you know, some folks, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, depending on, you know, what the relationship is. And this is who they've always been. And so I determined a while ago that I'm not going to be shocked by people being themselves. I'm just not going to do it anymore. So when you do something that is so you, it's like, okay, well, hey, you know, so they came to my house and they did blah, blah, blah. Like that's what they do. And so if I don't want them to do this thing, I have to make a conscious choice of removing them because you take yourself wherever you go. And it is not the best use of my energy to hope that you would be anything different than what you are. And sometimes that means having to leave a relationship. It means having to really cut back on a relationship or having some really strict boundaries in place, but we can't change people. And so it's really hard to think that we can And so we'll stay in these relationships, even if they're unhealthy, trying to get people to be something different than what they've proven. Mm. time and time again, what their capacity is, what their willingness is. And, you know, it's a different day, but they are the same person. There is nothing that has happened that will change them. And so leaving is a really tough piece, but sometimes it is the boundary that you need to, to really feel better in those relationships.
0: I forget who the quote is from, so apologies, it's not going to have attribution, but it's just the classic, like, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a great line that I think just summarizes a lot of this territory, because I think that that point you're making is a really great one. We often have repeated experiences with somebody that are just not pleasant experiences, Mm -hmm. and we might feel like we need to draw these 20 different boundaries with them that they're kind of wishy-washy on respecting, or maybe they're just not like a really healthy person for you to have in your life. There we go. That can be really tough, yeah. But maybe that's it.
1: Yeah. When I was in college, I was talking to a friend about a relationship and she was like, look, you've reached the end of your boundaries. Mm.
2: Like there are no more
1: boundaries. You've done all of the boundaries. like." I can't think of any other thing you could place in this relationship, Like you just need to decide on the relationship because it's not a matter of boundaries anymore. You've put them out there. It sounds like you've done a great job. I've seen you in the situations with people, like you really you're working so hard for this boundary and the other person isn't.
2: hmm. <laughs> hmm.
1: You know, what do you do? Yeah, totally. You you stay frustrated or you do the, you know, the really hard thing of, you know, maybe leaving the relationship.
0: Totally. We've talked a lot about external boundaries during this. And again, another thing that you really focus on in the book for a chapter is internal boundaries, boundaries that you set with yourself. And I think that it's kind of a great way to sum up a lot of this material how have you helped people kind of identify what the boundaries are that they need to have with themselves? Like what are good indicators for people and how can they build those more strongly so they can really stick to them?
1: Yeah, I think when you find yourself trying to control someone else's behavior, it is helpful to think about how can you control your behavior with the other person? Mm
2: -hmm. So
1: if it is, oh my gosh, my, my friend is so intrusive she asks me all these questions that I don't like to answer, and then I tell her, and she keeps, oh, so you've got pass the boundary of saying, hey, I'm not going to say more. You tell her, and then she keeps that. Okay, so what is the boundary you can have with yourself to disclose when, when comfortable? And if you're not comfortable, don't disclose. That is a self-boundary. People can't pull things out of you that you don't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. So thinking about the things that you have an issue with and if there is something you can do without this other person needing to do anything, what can you do? I hate going home for the holidays. Well, you guess the boundary there. Tell me what the boundary yeah. is.
0: <laughs> you can not go home for the holidays. You can tell your family I'm not going to show up this Thanksgiving. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know like that and that's really tough. I'm not saying that that's an easy one. But that is a boundary, and that really protects you from being in an environment you don't want to be in. Or it's, you know, for the holidays, there's a whole section in the book just on holidays.
2: Yeah, totally. (laughs) Because,
1: you know, it could be staying in a hotel. It could be making sure you have time away. So there are tons of things that you could do. It's not just not going, but there are tons of things. And so thinking about what you can do with your behavior. Mm, mm-hmm. When we have, you know financial issues and we think the issue is money. sometimes it is, but sometimes it is us misusing money. Yeah. And so it's really important to think about what is part of the problem that is within my control and what part of this problem is outside of. Me.
0: One of the things that I love talking about on the podcast is agency is like finding the locus of control that is inside of yourself. And that's one of the reasons that I gravitated towards the book and I enjoyed so much of the material in it is because it really is about finding the the family of things that you can control and coming to peace with the family of things that you can't control. And that's so much of the material as a whole, at, at least as it seems to me. Yeah. As we kind of get to the end here, Nedra, and really like, thank you for your time. And thank you for doing this today. I'd love to ask you a question that we ask some of the people who come on the podcast and given your work, I think it might be particularly significant. Like if you had the opportunity to go back in time and talk to yourself as a younger person, is there something that you would want to say to that person? Like, what would you want to leave them with?
1: Mm. Yeah, you don't have to figure it out right now because there were, you know, as a kid, it seems like, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you, you know, like, there's always this thing of like, next, 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 go, go try cheerleading, go try this thing, figure out what you want to do. (laughs) And I was just like, I just want to watch TV. I just want to watch Saved by the Bell when I want to watch it, right? (laughs) And I was, you know, to some extent, I was allowed to do that, especially when, you know, my mom would put me into stuff and I was like super hard-hearted. She's like, you can be on my bowling league and I'm bowling like 10s. I'm like, can I just go home and watch Fresh Prince? This is on Mondays (laughs) at 8th. So this is really <laughs> tapping into my TV schedule.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: You know, as you live life, you will figure it out. You will figure out the thing you're supposed to be doing and enjoy the experience and don't modify the meaning.
0: That's a great reflection. I think it's a great thing to leave people with. Is there anything else you would like people to know about, about the book, about your work or anything else you have going on right now?
1: Yes, yeah, so I am most active on Instagram and I think anything that I have, I typically place it there. So please follow me there. The book is out and I'm so excited about it because it is a book that I needed to read Mm. like in high school. (laughs) Yeah. Why wasn't this required reading? (laughs) I would have loved information about how to communicate my needs to people because going into college in that young adulthood phase of things. Yeah it would have been just such helpful information for getting started in life and later in life. Just, you know, knowing how to navigate relationships as we move into social media, the work environment, romantic relationships, I think is so much helpful information there to just give you the tools. And one of the things I love most about the book is that I included a lot of scripts because I realized that, people are like, what do I say? And so I gave so many examples of what to say and what to do. Yeah. Because we're not going to all go to therapy. I think therapy is a wonderful thing, but everybody's not going to go to therapy. If you do, great, awesome. But if you do not, I think the, the book is a really good resource for getting started with boundaries.
0: Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I. it's funny that you say that because... It was so germane to me as a 33-year-old that I didn't really view it through that lens. But it is a great book for like a 16 or 17-year-old. Just having that early exposure to this being really okay, particularly at a time in your life when there's just so much going on.
1: So many decisions to be made. Oh yeah, my god. Yeah, totally. It's okay to go to the college that you want to. It's okay. You know, mm, that mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. early decision-making that we had to do and just like being concerned about what other people thought. Yeah, it's, it's just so important to have that at any age. But if we could have this, you know, early, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We'd save ourselves years in college. You know, all of the people who go to college, like, I want to be a nurse. Actually, I just want to be an artist. But I only said I wanted to be a nurse because they told me that. They told me to
0: say it, <laughs> yeah, that's super real right there <laughs> that might have that might have changed my own outcomes in life a little bit, so I, I definitely feel that one <laughs> But uh, Nedra, thank you so much for doing this today. This was just totally awesome to talk with you. and thanks for taking the time.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.
0: So today, I had the pleasure of speaking with Nedra Glover Tawab. She is a wonderful therapist and recently wrote the book, Set Boundaries: Find Peace." During the conversation, we explored the importance of boundaries and how they can really resolve so many other issues in our lives. We started by talking about Nedra's personal relationship with boundaries and how she worked to build them throughout her life. Even as a kid, she had a strong understanding that there were things that she wanted and didn't really want from other people. There were situations where she felt more and less comfortable. And at least in my reading of it, she seemed pretty confident from an early age, expressing the things that she wanted and needed from others. It wasn't always perfect. It didn't always go well, but it went well enough. And it gave her a strong foundation from which to engage this work as a therapist with other people. We then talked for a while about the signs that someone might have a boundaries problem and the kinds of people who are maybe a bit more prone to struggle with their boundaries. One of the things that she emphasized was that people who have challenges in their family of origin, maybe there are issues with neglect or even abuse, maybe inside of that culture, the child was never taught that it was okay to want different things that were particularly different from what the parent wanted. And perhaps most of all, people who experienced emotional neglect tend generally to have issues developing more healthy forms of attachment. And healthy attachment structures are one of the things That really helps us build strong boundaries. Nedra described different types of boundaries. More rigid boundaries, where the boundaries can feel like a firm wall between you and someone else. Then more porous boundaries, where maybe there's a sense of enmeshment or even codependency inside of the relationship. And then healthy boundaries. Boundaries where, sure, there's a certain level of flexibility sometimes, but they are clearly stated. Your preferences are well known, and you're able to uphold those with other people. One of the big summary lines from Nedra's book that really resonated with me is relationships without boundaries are dysfunctional, unreasonable, and hard to manage. In this way, boundaries can actually really support us in developing more intimate relationships with other people. We talk a lot on the podcast about this dance between autonomy and intimacy. The more strongly grounded we become inside of ourselves, the easier it is for us to be intimate with others. And I think that that sentiment is just really beautifully reflected in Nedra's work. A theme that came up throughout the conversation was this idea that setting boundaries can make people feel like they're being selfish or impolite, ungrateful to their parents, maybe they feel like they're being too sensitive, or whatever else. These are very, very, very common experiences. And one of the things that Nedra emphasized is the importance of developing a strong internal stance that boundaries are, well, important, that they're things that are appropriate to have seeing the ways in which other people have boundaries with you can make it a little bit easier for you to set boundaries yourself. Another word that came up throughout the conversation was guilt. It's really natural for setting boundaries to inspire some feelings of guilt inside of a person. And one of the ways that we can assuage those feelings of guilt is really being clear about how we're being committed to our own self-worth and self-evaluation by setting those boundaries. You are an important person too. Your relationship is important, your parents are important, your friends are important, your job is important, but you're important too. And so you get to ask for the things that are important to you, just as other people get to ask for the things that are important to them. We then talked for a while about anxiety and managing the anxiety that can come from anticipating conflict with somebody else or being in conflict with somebody else, because sometimes the initial setting of a boundary can lead to some degree of friction inside of a relationship. One of the things that Nedra really emphasized that I totally agree with is that long-term healthy boundaries create less conflict, which means that they create less anxiety over time. But yeah, in the run-up to them, man, there can absolutely be some anxiety associated with the whole experience. Finally, we talked a little bit about kids and about supporting kids in setting their own healthy boundaries. And as we've often talked about on the podcast— There are lessons that we can teach children that can be wonderful proxies for the lessons that we need to learn ourselves as adults. And one of the things that Nedra said that will really stick with me is this idea that you don't need to know why it's important to you. A lot of the time, things can get kind of overly cognized inside of this work. I'm certainly incredibly guilty of this. But sometimes the body knows something and the brain takes a little while to catch up to it. You don't need to know why almonds make you feel ill for you to stop eating almonds. And in much the same way, you don't need to know why you get a little irritated when your mom kind of cuts you off in conversation for the second or third time for you to say, hey, I don't want this to happen anymore. So again, Nedra's book is Set Boundaries, Find Peace. It is on sale now. I'll include a link to it in the description of today's podcast. And I'll also link to Nedra's Instagram. It's a wonderful platform. So many people follow her there and she gives fantastic advice. Also, as a reminder, I have a new YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash And I'll include a link to my most recent video as well. If you've been enjoying the podcast, we'd really appreciate it. If you would take a moment to leave a comment, maybe a positive review, and subscribe to us through the platform of your choice. It really does help us out. Also, hey, tell a friend about it. It's one of the best ways for us to reach new people. If you'd like to support the podcast in other ways, you can join us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash beingwellpodcast. So I think I just moved through all of the different plugs there. Again, thanks so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. Really one of the most gratifying parts of this job is receiving emails from people and positive commentary about the difference that the show has made in their life. And it's just wonderful to know that we're reaching different people with this work. So thank you. This wouldn't be happening without your support. So until next time, have a great week.